So we'll go back. This is track one, the opener. It's called Tragic. What Huey Lewis song is it? I wasn't thinking Huey Lewis. I was thinking it still reminded me of Semi-Tram Life. Maybe if you believe that bass line, like the, not, not the bass line, but the progression. Not sure. Yeah. I like the sound of it though. I love the heavy bass. I do. I do too. But the bass is a little muddy on this one for me. It could be a little, little brighter for me. It's a little too Mm. thumpy, not even thumpy, just a little muddy. I, I like, I like my bass a little cleaner. I would like a little more bass drum to balance it out. Something maybe a little bit punchier with a little bit more low end on it. Playing? Do you think he's playing uh, the wreck on this one or is he playing a precision? I'm going to say the wreck. I was going to say the wreck too. It sounds a little like a wreck to me. A little grittier, yeah. But, but, but Rick's, you can get that brightness out of him too though. So it's true. Well, I mean, you, you can with anything really. It's all in how you EQ it. But yeah, the, the, the I, I feel like this is grittier. So we'll we'll have to ask Nate. And by the way, I thought about inviting him on to, to the show to do it, but I think it the reason I didn't is he's probably working, but I thought it might be a little awkward for him to have a critical review of his music done while he's sitting here. Yeah, I'd rather probably. have him suffer where he can't comment on it. Actually, what I would wrong. like to, what I would like to see him do is do a deep purple podcast episode bonus episode of them listening to our episode and critiquing our critique of their the critique all right guys i know you're listening so you've heard it challenge has it been accepted i mean and if nothing else you just get the um the director's cut commentary of nate being like yeah no i was playing a p bass they're idiots um yeah she (laughs) she sings circles around rich i don't know what he's talking about um yeah stuff like that (laughs) we're re-recording every episode they've ever been on it's not face shot. It's not face shot. It's not face shot. It's not face shot. Why is he playing this out of order? Why is he playing these out of order? He, I, I guarantee he was sitting there laughing <laughs> or really pissed off. But I know Nate well enough to know he was no, probably he's laughing. Li- he's laughing. I don't think, yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot of things that piss Nate off. No, not at all. Well, let's see where the song goes from here. As a singer, how do you feel about you know, that vocal? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, it's, um, I'm trying to think what it is, too. I, I almost, it's almost like she has an accent or an affect on her voice mm. to me a little bit. But it's like, I feel like it is a Berkeley vocal student um, who absolutely can sing, absolutely has a great set of pipes has control over her voice, but sings it too perfectly or too prim and too proper to everything's very like, I don't know. It just, it's too 
polished for me um mm-hmm. singing and that's not the range i would sing that song in either it's they should have changed the key for her on something it's it's just not it doesn't have any i don't know it just doesn't have any feel whatsoever maybe it would if it was she was in a more comfortable range mm-hmm. um because that last song with the chorus she can sing high and belt it out and that was really the highlight vocally in that song mm-hmm. and this i don't know it's almost like you know you grab the soprano out of the chorus and be like, here, sing our song for us. Um, and it just, it's not, it's not doing it for me. Nate, I got to say again, is the rock star. Um, the bass line is happening. And I do like the, uh, the mix on the drums too, actually. Nice yeah, and I tight could, and I, bright. I could definitely use more kick though. Yeah. The, the set's a little on the bright side, but um, yeah. overall, but it kind of works with the bass being so heavy. It cuts through a little bit more for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think for reggae, more, the, more guitar, they don't really let the guitar player do much, do they? No, I was going to say the, the <laughs> guitar sounds good, but he's he's not really yeah. uh, he's not really involved, which is okay. I mean, you, I can't wait till he rips like the solo. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm, lo- I'm I'm wondering if we're going to get. But I think that for this kind of music, you really need that chest pump from the kick. No, uh, I agree for this, but I I like her. I like this style. I like what she was going for here, but I think if she would have just done it for one line, gone up to that level for the verse instead of doing right. the whole verse that way, I think it might've worked a little bit better for me because th- by the second time she did it, I I was thinking this is going to get annoying. Agreed. You know? Yeah. Well, let's see where the song goes. Nate, do not share this podcast with her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure she's a fine person. The other thing I was wondering is I wonder if she has an accent. Well, that was what I was saying. It's either has some kind of an, it, to me, it sounds like she's got a little bit of an accent yeah, and, or it's an affect, like a, you know what I mean? Like, right. She, some people she get did when they have sing. some really nice vibrato in there though. A couple points. Mm-hmm. She very much again, like Gwen Stefani, that really fast vibrato for just a word or two. Right. Well, like um, I said, I'm not, I'm not questioning. I mean, her ability as a singer, she clearly can sing. It's oh, absolutely. Just, yeah. I don't really, I'm not loving the choices that she's making or the, the delivery. Yeah, It's not my wheelhouse as a vocal. I'll say that. Well, it's less rigid during the verse. She's she's kind of uh, letting the words flow a little bit more than she did in the first song. Yeah, yeah, just not it, vocally. It's just not doing it for me at all. Um, did think of something while she was singing it though, and I can I can't remember. But I was that I I started to phase her out anyway. I was very focused on Nate and um, really like what he was doing there. The the doom. The little triplets and then the slides into the notes, mm-hmm. almost like um uh with a little help from my friends, the boom do do oh, yeah. you know. Yeah, good um, call. Yeah, really, really liked that um a lot. But clearly he, you know, this was a style that he was very comfortable with and probably yeah. listening to a lot at the time. And um no, you know, I don't not, hear uh, I don't hear any of his deep purple influence in there whatsoever. Yeah. I uh 
I, I don't listen to a lot of reggae. I think my biggest reggae exposure is probably either the police, which I don't think is is necessarily a, a great representation for what reggae is, uh, or a band that I used to work with in Denver called The Healers, which uh, did a lot of audio gigs working with them. They were a very traditional reggae band. Um, but I don't think guitar in general has a lot to do in this style. They're pretty much rhythm. Yeah, it, it is. And my brother actually lived in Jamaica for a couple of years. I went to go visit him and I got to see a, you know, a bunch of reggae while I was there. And, you know, over the years, I do like Bob Marley and I some Peter Tosh. I like I'm not a huge reggae fan. It's all kind of the same to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but Marley, especially, I mean, that's why he's Bob Marley is, you know, they were really well written songs and well crafted songs. And, mm-hmm. and again, you could feel that's what I do like about those artists. Is you, if you know they're feeling it. They're not going through the motions. They're not like, oh, right. let's write this little, you know, ditty or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I did think of what I was going to say about uh, her voice is in the chorus, the harmony is like a sub harmony, a lower harmony. Mm-hmm. I actually think I would have liked it better had that been the lead line. Like she had sung the lead line in that voice and the harmony had been that high falsetto. Well, it's not falsetto for her, but right. that high, the high notes had been the harmonies. You know, so it's not like you said, you don't tire from it. It's just, um, it would just be little punctuations at the end. Like, you know, she's singing it, the lower line, you just get the, da, 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 that kind of mm-hmm. thing, you know? Well, and that's, know, that's what's more traditional too, right? Because normally you have your vocal and then you do a harmony above it instead of putting right. your vocal at the top and having a harmony below it. Uh, it's an interesting thing. And if you did that for a line or or maybe some inflections, again, that might be a, a way to go about it. But to just make it, we're here, now we're right. here. Um, I mean, I'm okay it, with it being underneath it because I actually like that. I mean, Lennon sings a lot of those sub-harmonies and, and mm-hmm. McCartney does a lot of those too, you know, come together as one, yeah. um, you know, where he sings Get Back, where they sing under, the harmonies under, but in this case, it's more for me that 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 high part is just too high. Mm-hmm. Like if they had changed the key and she sang it in a lower register, you could still do the sub harmony. Right. It just it's too piercing to be the 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 main line. I think. And I don't think it's so much of an EQ issue because it, I mean no. I just think that pitch is kind of ear piercing mm-hmm. in general. It's just not a it's not a pleasant tone. Right. Right. And I, I and speaking of uh, Beatles harmonies, my favorite one, and when Nate and I reviewed uh, Revolver, the, I, I had to go back and specifically play this line. But there's a line in the song, And Your Bird Can Sing, which I, I think arguably is my favorite Beatles song yep. that says, uh, tell me that you've heard every sound there is. Yep. And the harmony. Tell me that you- oh. Yeah, it's a three, the three part harmony there. It's yeah. Probably the tastiest thing I've ever heard in music. Yeah, that's a great one. That's a, that's. Yeah. That's one of my favorites too, actually. Mm-hmm. But well, of course, got, to me, it'll it'll forever be on yesterday and today, and not on revolver. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I think the the original album I had a revolver. It was on that one. So for me, that's just where it came you from. Must, yeah, you must have had it as an import then, because yeah. And I probably found it at like the Salvation Army or something for fifty right. cents. You know, because we didn't have money. So that was that was where a lot of my record collection came from in the early days was just the albums for a quarter and 50 cents at the Salvation Army, sometimes an eight track if I was desperate and really wanted it. Um, And then as I got older, you know, we had a really cool used record store in Detroit uh, called Car City Classics. And the thing that was especially cool about this store 
was that they sold in pricing that would round up to the even dollar. So tax was 4%. So the albums were 96 cents or a dollar. Our place did that too. I love that. But they also got the dumps from the radio stations. So all the promo copies. Yep went to this store. So I had all these deep purple radio play vinyls, you know, 12 inch singles that you couldn't get anywhere else unless you found a source like this. Uh, so yeah, that was a really cool. And they, they had a lot of imports. They had a lot of uh, bootlegs, which was really cool too, because normal record stores couldn't carry them. They could only carry what they right. would get from their distributors where this store just got from everybody. Right, whatever they had. And that, yeah. that was a much, I mean, to this day, I actually went back to one not too long ago. I couldn't believe it was still there. But growing up, that was my favorite thing to do is go hit the used record stores in my area. Even before I had a license, you know, there were a couple within biking distance, bike over to them. And um, one of them in particular, we realized the guy had a really bad coke habit that owned it. And so if you got him, you you got him when he was desperate for a hit, you could pretty much make any deal. um, If it was the dollar he needed or the 50 cents he needed to go score or whatever. Yeah, yeah, we took advantage of that poor bastard. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah, it, one of the one of the reasons honestly I'm hoping that Purple plays uh out east in the, especially like in your area so that I can come out and see them is to take a day and just hit a couple of those used record stores out there that you guys have and see cuz I've been to our antique mall. It's huge. There's several record vendors, but I've kind of picked through their selections. Right. You know, they don't change their their stuff out that often. So uh, I, I'm kind of out of resources, so yeah, it would be it would be really cool to go check out a couple of those places for sure. Cool. But let but let's get back to the song, shall we? We shall. cool yeah i was chop off the whole beginning of the song and start it right there and <laughs> i'm good no i'm serious i like that that i really liked i liked everything that was going on there even the you know like the the mechanical whatever i mean the effect on the vocals there not mechanical but you know saying making it sound mechanized and the um the drum fills were great and the the bass line was great and the mm-hmm. atmospheric guitar like that that's outstanding that's the best thing so far it was probably a filter you know, just a, a simple EQ filter right. that they put on there. But I liked the sound of it. I had no idea what she was saying. It was, it yeah, was a yeah, I didn't quiet. either, but don't, don't care. It, I, <laughs> yeah. When I take, I'll, I'll be honest, when I take music and I very rarely listen to the, the, the vocals as far as lyrics, like I listen to the, I take the whole thing in as one thing generally, you know, either it, 
hits me or it doesn't, then I might go back on more listens and listen more deeply to it. But mm -hmm. I don't normally listen like we're listening now, like focusing in on this and focusing in on that. I just kind of let it wash right. over me. Either yeah. it hits me and touches me or it doesn't. Right. And, and I've said many times on the show that I often don't listen to vocals as vocals. I listen to them as an instrument. They're a sound. Right. And I don't necessarily even care what the song is about most of the time. Um, but I just felt like that was so distant that I felt like I should be able to know what she's saying and just have no idea what it was. But I, I didn't I didn't catch this before. But when they went into the chorus, it went from a reggae beat to a rock beat. Right. And then it stayed rock with this. I like that transition. I think they handled that really well. No, I agree. That that was definitely, uh, like I said, a highlight. Mm -hmm. And now uh, now we're getting some uh, more music and uh, some kind of wild psychedelic tones. Digging that. So let's see where it goes. Boy, they did not leave any space at the end of, of the song to, to let it breathe or fade out. It like ends right there and starts over. Um, I think if they would have done the first part of the song a little bit lower and then come in higher vocally for that part after the instrumental section, yep. I think it would have been more powerful. Yeah, I don't know. I, the whole thing is just too jarring for me. I, it's almost like two different songs. Um mm. Of which I like the second song better, uh, way better. Um, yeah. the, the the music of it is all good. You gotta wipe the vocals at the it, and then start over on those. Um, but I like the, I actually like the song itself. Yeah, especially I actually especially like that that part in the, the last two parts there. That um, I don't know whether there was a synth in there or whatever. Or that was a guitar that was making mm -hmm. those, but. It, it, you know, reminded me a little bit of like a late 70s Moog kind of thing or something being thrown in, which makes me think it might have been Nate, but you never know. Yeah, very well could have been. And dig the baseline. I, I definitely feel that Huey Lewis, if this is it, only a little bit faster and, and punchier. But that progression, I think, was was very similar. But I really dug it. I think it's a it's a good song. Again, I, I it's just not my kind of vocal. But I do think that that ending could have been more powerful if that was the first time we heard it done in that higher register. But then yeah. the rest of it might have been not as good to listen to, The you know, being in a lower. It's hard to say. I mean, I'd have to hear it. But um, all that said, way better than the EP I released back then. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nate and I are going to have to review that now. <laughs> it's only fair, Rich. Yeah, we can do it right now. Ready? That was it right there. <laughs> there you go. Well, then it'll be a short show and we can do a Beatles review. Uh, yeah, overall, I'd say pretty decent song. Um, this being the opener, I would say it's it's got good energy for an opener for an EP or an album. Mm -hmm. um, definitely one that would make you go, okay, let's see what else these, these guys have to offer. Interesting. 
Our third song, which is actually the second song because I don't know what I'm doing, is called Paper. So we've got Blueprint, Paper, and Tragic. Interesting. Interesting. Very different from the mm, other two. Yeah. What do you think I, of the mood of this one? I like it. I mean, I like it because it's different. And yeah. um, it seemed a little dissonant at first. I felt like the bass and the, the uh, I don't know whether it's keyboards or whatever, there's a guitar effect in the back seemed a little, like not completely dissonant, but just a little bit dissonant, like a little bit off. Like I'm like, eh, was mm-hmm. that intentional, not intentional? And then I really like the way she sang this one compared to the other ones. She flowed much more. But yeah, it's that it's that soprano we I don't know thing on her voice. I guess I just don't like it. Like mm. it, I mean, again, not that she's a bad singer. Right. I'm just I just don't like that. I don't know. It's too too perfect. I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. It's that I feel like you grabbed the girl that's a great singer in chorus and went, "Hey, sing my song." And it's very like you know, <laughs> you know, like mm. it just doesn't have that punch that i think if it did a little bit even like and i don't love gwen stefani's voice but she has some oomph to it like when she sings you know what i mean yeah. like and it's not all just high end even though she has a higher voice it's not all high endy um but that all that said the positive on this one is her flow is way better like it yeah she's still a little rigid at the end she's still finishing very like there's a lot mm-hmm. of enunciation um and i don't know if that's an overcompensation for something or whether it's that's just her style but yeah. it, i feel like it would be better if she let didn't enunciate so tightly and and let things kind of slur and flow into each other it it definitely feels a little more spanish the the style of music and all that I, I, the acoustic guitar there isn't isn't hurting that <laughs> yeah not at all but just the rhythm of it that dun right. dun 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 uh, right. I, I like the feel of the song. I like that it just sounds different. But at first, I thought they recorded this at a different time. The the EQ oh, and everything sounds just different from the other two. Um, so it's it's almost like they did this. They had to reset up and or they came back and and wrote this song. Uh, I don't know if that was the case by any means. Could also just be the added uh, added acoustic guitar changed how he mixed it. Very possible, yeah. Um, but, but I like the feel of the song. I really like the mood. There's a little okay. bit of a sine wave synth I'm hearing in the back, which is nice. At first, I thought it might have been a theremin, but I think it's uh, it's just a sine wave synth. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm I'm digging this so far. I love the lyrical flow. Um, again, not not a huge fan of her particular style, but I like the flow of this one much better. Yeah, me too. So we'll see. Okay, that did sound like a theremin this time. 
Yeah. I sure it's not a theremin. It's got to be like a patch that sounds like a theremin or something. Yeah, but but it's it's definitely <coughs> that it's got that uh, that feel to it. Um, really smooth. I really love the drums in that section. I thought they they were really yeah. cool. And I do like that Spanish feel. Now that you said it, it's, I mean, it was already I could already kind of hear, but boy, really hear hear it there. And I yeah. do like that. And it's like mm-hmm. it it's that it drives you, but at the same time, it's pulling you forward. And, right. You know, I, I don't know whether he's playing just ahead of it or whatever, but I do definitely feel like I'm getting that pull forward. I can definitely tell he's a talented drummer by what he's playing on the ride and then breaking away to do those snare fills and then right back on the ride. There's no gap in there at all. There's it, It's almost like he's got three arms because you're not hearing that separation of how long it takes him to get his arm back to the ride symbol. Very he recorded well the ride on set. He recorded the ride on a separate track. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. You know, that's the thing is, is, you know, when I talk about earlier, when I talked about music being honest, um, you think about bands in the 70s, like the bands that we listened to and grew up with, they had to be able to play. Otherwise, it just didn't work and they get fired and you get somebody else. Nowadays, you don't have to be able to play. You, you, you have no idea what people are actually doing versus their final product. It's a shame. No doubt about it. Yep. I can get back into music now. That's right. Selling fortune, selling safety, bending patience, separation, the wrong pair of wings. Revealing wings coming round. Before we head into this next section here, it's got some really good energy to it, don't you think? Yeah, I like, I like this one probably best of everything we've heard so far, and I, I do like that that theremin line playing in the background, like mm-hmm. the count the uh, the melody there. It's uh, it really adds to the whole feel of the song. Yeah, and I think this is the one where she's really opened up the most, and and just kind of it feels more freeform. I think to me, more natural, right? Which is how the these songs should be. Yeah, you should have that flow. It shouldn't be so mm-hmm. stiff, right? And I and I think about like I can almost picture her in like one of those uh, Spanish like red dresses with all the frills, and and maybe she's got like the finger symbols or something, and just kind of like working her way through the crowd. I don't know why that that vision comes to mind, but no, it's, I, it's actually funny you said I exact same thing here, except I was picturing Nate in the dress with the finger symbols. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's all who 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 drew the short straw, I guess that. <laughs> Uh, Nate, we don't judge you. No, no.
Very dynamic. Yeah, I like that one. Um, I I also like the uh, that harmony she was doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, almost a little Gillenish. Um, some of the mm-hmm. stuff he does that again, not dissonant, but like not a one three five harmony for sure. You know, right. I think uh, this one might be a little bit challenging live because those harmonies, I think, are really making a big difference. And without that, and I'm not sure how that would sound if one of the guys were singing backups, but uh, I think it would really lose something without that. But yeah. beat I bet, I wise, bet, it'd be I fun. Nate could pull that off. Yeah, probably. After hearing the, sp- after hearing the spreadsheet song, there's not much he can't do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, I, I think my favorite is, is still his recording for a Hughes Aween by 2023. That's uh, that one makes me that one makes me happy. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, beat wise, it would have been this would be a great live song. I mean, this is very uh, if if no doubt we're a Tejano band. I think this is exactly what they would be. Yeah, I don't, I, I can see that. Yeah, it's a good song. I, I, I would have to say so far of the four, my favorite, or of the three yeah. we've listened to, my favorite. Agreed. Yeah, very cool. And, and I think it also didn't play up on that, that affect in her voice very much. Um, I think it blended yeah, I wasn't, in a little I bit wasn't better. See, yeah, I wasn't seeing and hearing it as much, or, or it wasn't interfering as much, perhaps. Right. But yeah, I also got it. I mean, it's also hard because we're we're listening to it out of its element. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, true. twenty whatever years later, you know, this I'm trying to put myself back in that time and that place and that headspace. I mean, this all this stuff would have fit right in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, of the time. Um and they were young too. I mean, I'm they I was Nate was probably what, twenty in his twenties, mid twenties, early twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, doing this or all of them were, um, so pretty damn good, you know, I would agree. I mean, from a production standpoint, a performance standpoint, yeah. a unity standpoint, because they're all playing so tight together. Right. Uh, in fact, sometimes I'm sitting here going, is that a punch from the bass drum or is that Nate? Like they're that tight to where I can't right. hear that separation, uh, which says a lot for the quality of, of musicians. The other thing, I think this showed off the guitar player a little bit more because I think a lot of what we heard in the background, um, really in the last two songs, was guitar. Right. You know, so uh, it's it's nice that he's able to to have something to, to do besides just play that typical reggae well, chords, you know. And it's interesting to kind of, for me, to listen to a, a guitar player doing something different than I generally hear guitar players do. Generally, yeah. a guitar player and the stuff I listen to is a guitar hero. They're that They're the one of the stars of the band, you know, they're right. They're going to be out front. They're going to be soloing. They're going to be right in the riff They're you know, they're going to be the one driving the song. That's not necessarily, it's not, I'm not, not, not only not necessarily the case, it is not the case in any of these songs that we've listened to. It's yeah. definitely much more of an atmospheric instrument or a rhythm instrument yeah. um, as it is a lead or solo instrument. And this is, seems to be far more um, bass driven and mm-hmm. vocally driven. Yeah. And if, and maybe that's just because Nate mixed it. I don't mean just the mix either, though. I, I do mean no, like kind of like kind of rhythm, he's yeah. playing, and it's yeah. it's not like he's playing riffs or solos, and um, you know, but for the for the little even bit in of the reggae, police, yeah, yeah, for the little bit of reggae that I know, I would say it's that's a common trait for that style of music. It's very much pushing the rhythm. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I'm just saying for me that it's a difference. But I mean, mm-hmm. then you have things like the Police, who are definitely rooted in reggae. Yeah, but you still got guitar solos. You still got riff-driven songs, mm-hmm. um, you know, through them. Um, right. So, 
Yeah, so I, I guess it's just something different than I, I normally listen to, especially with guitar players. I mean, drums, the bass, I've heard it, you know, been there, done that. Mm-hmm. I think with this kind of guitar playing, it's um, it's it's a change for me, and I'm, I, I like it. I like, especially in that last song, I like what yeah. he was doing. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't think I I mean, let me put it this way: I could do it because there it's actually chords and not doing anything else, so I could probably yeah. pull it off. But um, I think I'd get bored doing it. Yeah, I think as a as a guitar player, I would find reggae just that constant muted sound. I think I I would get really tired of that, but. I, I, as a, as a composer, I can, I, I cover all of the stuff. So if I have to do a muted guitar track, it's not a big deal to me because I'm also going to do all the other things, but to just do that, I think that would be very boring. Yeah. God bless Andy Summers. <laughs> Our, I don't think I've covered a police yet on the show. I'll have to think yeah. about that. Cause I don't think I have. I love uh, his work. With, I loved his work with John Lord. Did he do something with John Lord? He is a Sarah band he plays on. I oh, that's Sarah right. Band. There is something. Yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, was it maybe Windows? Maybe. It's either Windows or Sarah band. I, you know, it's probably more Windows. Yeah. Uh, more likely Windows. Yeah. I don't, I don't recall. That. Sadly, I don't recall. It's It's been a while. I'll have to revisit that. John Lord's solo stuff was very good, but so different from the kind of stuff I generally listen to. Which is interesting because I grew up listening to a lot of classical music. I'm a huge Beethoven fan. Love his work. Listen to it a lot. Uh, and then various bits and pieces from other composers. He's really the only one I followed, you know. Um, right. Never went to any of his shows, but I, I followed him. Um, so you would think that that would, like, John Lord's solo stuff would be perfect because I love the hard rock. I love the classical side. Um, but for some reason, I've never really dug into his solo catalog before. It's, it's, I mean, it's not an easy lesson if it's not, you know what I mean? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not like you can easily segue from Deep Purple into John Lord's solo stuff. Yeah. Um, I've, there's tracks I love and there are tracks that are fine, but I just don't, I would never listen to them, you know? Yeah. Um, I love, you know, on, you know, Bach onto this cause it had that rock meets classical thing. That's one of my favorite tracks. But yeah. later, uh, his later stuff, I uh, classical stuff, I actually like. I'll put it on in the background. I mean, I don't focus on it, but I'll put it back. I, I like it, and I love, um, you know, the the album with Here Be Friends and all the, that. That to me is his masterpiece. Yeah. Um, there's so many good songs, and Sam Brown's voice on that is maybe one of my favorite female vocal performances. Interesting. Well, I'll have to dig into that. Uh, it's it's been a while, other than the episodes from the Deep Purple podcast where they've covered his his right. stuff so far. Um, I haven't really dug into a lot of it personally, so yeah, I'll have to do that. It's it's weird. I I I don't know. I'm not one of those people that follows a band and then I follow all the members and every little solo thing they've done and and follow the entire tree branch system. Um, right. There's just stuff I get into and stuff that I'm like. Yeah, I should listen to that and just never do. I'm yeah, so weird. I, I am I am that. one of those people that kind of if I like something, I'll follow the branch. And mm. you know, that's what's great about Deep Purple is a lot of times it pays off. Beatles it always paid off. I don't yeah. You know, I mean I loved all their solo stuff as much as I love some of the Beatles stuff. So well, mm. maybe not all the Ringo albums, but you know, and now <laughs> I've gone back and you know, reassess some of them, some of the stuff I didn't like, I now appreciate like a lot of the George stuff I didn't appreciate. Um what great songs they were because i didn't yeah. necessarily like you know it's a little too soft or smooth for me and it didn't mm. but now i look back 
realized, especially when they release like the anniversary editions and you get just the stripped down acoustic demo of it. And you go, right. like, wow, that's just a great song. Like that is the, how that song should have been done. You know, like you realize that sometimes the production kills it. Yeah. It's, it's easy to outwork yourself out of a really good piece of music, whether you over-engineer it or overproduce it or just take it too far in a writing standpoint but then again right. it's all subjective so uh, there must have been a reason that he released it the way he did although uh, there's often arguments for wow this would have been so much better if you didn't well i mean i you know i don't think you could release just basic acoustic tracks in the late 70s and have people you know i mean especially some of them it was just clearly going for a radio market and it worked you know like blow yeah. away is a great little just acoustic song but you know when you add all the you know the drums and the guitar and you know it turns into a pop song i feel like a beetle could have released an acoustic album and, and been very successful maybe just because they already have that fame going in and there's automatically a certain audience that's going to buy it or or check it out uh but if anybody could have done it it certainly would have been one of them i mean and if you look at george too though he's has a tendency for overproduction i mean all things must pass it's a masterpiece but it is mm -hmm grossly overproduced yeah. <laughs> and um you know and all the stuff with jeff lynn although it's good and it's you know it worked that stuff's crazy overly produced too i think my favorite uh harrison solo song would probably be i, I want to say either fab which was a great tribute to the beatles or yep. I, i'm gonna stick with that one for the moment that was a great song, but very showy, you know, like a showmanship kind of song because it, right. it had all those little sounds in there. It was very overproduced. But I think I think the uh, the message in it, I think I got uh, connected with the feeling of the subject, um, you know, talking about his his old days in the, in the Beatles. And um, I wasn't even a big Beatles fan yet when I heard that. Which is kind of interesting. Wow. But yeah, I, I always liked that one. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I you know, I tend to go for his earlier stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, All Things Must Pass, the song is a, a great song. Yeah. Um, Art of Dying is another one I've always really liked. Mm -hmm. But again, that's so much production. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, Be Here Now, which is almost like a, almost like a church hymn. Mm -hmm. So sparse. And so um, I actually heard somebody do a, uh, an acapella version of it recently. It was pretty, pretty moving. Um, then it's also pretty impressive that they were able to sing it that way. Wasn't there another one that he, that he did about John Lennon? Uh, all those years ago. Yeah, that, that, okay. That's the one I'm going to pick. Cause I don't think that was overproduced. I think that was just a great straightforward song. That's yeah, pretty overproduced. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yeah. You got that whole like synth solo that's screams 1980. Oh yeah. Or whatever, you know? That's the thing about the 80s is it almost didn't matter who you were. You were going to sound like you were doing something in the 80s. Yeah, it's hard to, hard to escape that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I would say Perfect Strangers from Deep Purple sounded like a very natural rock album. It didn't. No, I agree. It's House of Blue Light and it sounds 80s reverbs right. and, and that. But Perfect Strangers, I think, was a very natural rock album for that time. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, you yeah. could, could throw that out today and say it came out and I think it would be sure. believable. Yeah. Well, speaking of Nate, our our um our final song on this four song. Did we EP, circle back to him already? We, yeah, it was <laughs> it was subtle, but uh, we did. Uh, it's called Line of Sight. 
Okay, I'm just going to say, Nate, you are the bass player I wish I could be. I <laughs> wish I could play like that. I just have not. I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be a novice bass player until I'm dead because I don't practice enough. But I love the bass line in this. Yeah, he's he's definitely got some good chops, no doubt about it. Yeah, I I like this. I think it's got a really good feel to it. I like the energy. Uh, it's full sounding, but I feel like and God. I feel so bad because I, I don't want I don't want people to think I don't like the singer because I think she's very talented. But I almost feel like in this song she's an opera singer trying to sing pop music. Well, that's kind of what I've been saying all along. And although yeah. I think this might be her best effort so far that she's flowing a little bit better, but it's just mm-hmm. that, I don't know. It's that soprano. We like, ah, ah, yeah. at the ends yeah. of notes, like it just doesn't fit the style of music to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I just, it's the, the, the timbre of her voice. I'm not sure that it just doesn't, it doesn't hit me right. And, and mm-hmm. doesn't really seem to go along with this style of music. And, and maybe it's especially because, the other three are so tight and so on the mark and you know, it, it, that's more jarring. Right. Yeah. That's very possible. Um, I'll be curious. Cause I mean, we've heard her change styles in a song, so we'll see what she does throughout the rest of the song. I think she's very talented, but yeah, I do feel yeah, almost like singer. a fish out of water kind of feel right. to, to her in this music. I like that she's really not going for the high pitches. Yeah, no, so uh, that that was a good chorus. I like the way she sang that chorus. Yeah, I think there's a little bit, maybe too much guitar in the verse. That's really bright in my ears. But uh, apart from that, I think it sounds great. I think the again, bass and drums are just so locked into each other. I think that's really just vital for this kind of music. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't be too sloppy. Well, you can. You could, yeah. Right, you can. They're not doing it. You mentioned earlier uh, that, you know, you're trying to put yourself back in this time frame and and, and all that to listen to the music. I was never in it. So so I can't even quite do that. Uh, Like I said, I was was very disconnected from this generation of music. I got really bored after like mid-80s with stuff that was coming out. It just wasn't very interesting to me. Um, Bands here and there or a song here and there, yeah, but for the most part, like once the British new wave was done and uh, the, uh, the glam stuff took over, it it just, it, it wasn't something I ever latched onto. So this was like a natural progression of me just not caring what was going on in the world at all. Oh, this is before I could Bluetooth music in the cruiser. So I was driving around for eight hours at a whack, having to listen to regular radio. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember those days.
there's not a lot of room for her to breathe between the verses and choruses I've noticed. Um, They just like flow from one right into another, which is fine, but it's almost like where would she breathe if they were doing this live? As quickly as she can. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, just little gasps here and there enough to get no, you to the you, next That's part. where you hold the microphone out to the crowd and you get your breath. And... Right, right. Sing it. You sing this song you don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you can get away with that when you've been playing a song for 20 years. That's Where you uh, walk over to you know. Nate and you stick the mic in his face while you catch breath. And... Right. I do like the drums on this one. I feel like the drums, and maybe it's just because of the style of the music, but I, I think he's a better drummer than what he's showing on here. I well, mean, he yeah, wasn't I mean, 20 years ago, but this is very basic stuff. Yeah, I I mean, you can just tell he's a tight drummer, and I'm yeah. sure he could play some stuff that'll blow your mind. Um, mm-hmm. But part of being a great musician is playing what's appropriate for the situation and for the song. Yeah. Um, yeah. which they all, which they are all doing a good job of. Um, I actually liked that little like slide. I mean, you call it a slide guitar thing there. The yeah. yeah. The only thing I would say is they did it too many times. I would have done it maybe twice. And then on mm-hmm. the, you know, the third one, maybe do like a little flourish or something to yeah kind of bring it back around to the, to the chorus. But now we're just being produced. We're being producers of music we weren't asked to produce. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I definitely was not hired for this, but I I think it's really easy to get comfortable with a technique and just keep repeating that technique. Right. But you're right. The, that dynamic would be nice if it if it changed a little bit. I I'm more one, and I don't do this enough in my own music. It's something I'm starting to focus on a little bit more. But I I do the same thing. I get very comfortable with this is how this transition goes. So the next time I come to it, that's what I do. And I really need to get more dynamic and do just a different transition. It doesn't have to be the same. As long as it's good, as long as it works, I think it's it's better to have a little variety. It's one thing. Well, first of all, I want to say that Nate, I'm sure, listens to this the same that we do and go, oh, I would have done this different. I would have changed this. You know, because it's 20 years on. But one of the pluses to not really having any theory background musical theory background is that when i am trying to write something or when i'm helping somebody else write something i don't have any rules to play by whereas you know my buddy bill like we'll, we'll be talking about something and he'll go well it has to either go to the c or the g or whatever you know like it has to resolve to the c or the g or has why <laughs> well all that well because when you come at it you know and he'll, he'll give me the explanation and i go right well it doesn't have to do that that's naturally happens that's what most people do but it doesn't have to do that and that's you know i always joke with them like listen i know for you that you know we get to a something we're trying to figure out and you're like well it's either this or this for me it's anything up and down this guitar neck it can be anywhere i want it Mm -hmm. um so in some ways that helps but also when you're playing covers it really hurts you because he can listen to a song once and pretty much have it like and be like yeah. okay I, I see where that because it's all the standard changes and he understands that it has to go from that to me it it's no like it's not unless it's three chords i don't know like it could be anything right i specifically never learned theory i tried in, in the early days but my brain just didn't comprehend a lot of it i just go with what sounds good you know, if it, right. if it works for the song, I remember one of my friends told me one time that in a in a traditional piece of classical music, every movement has to start and end on the same note. I'm like, 
why that movement is 15 minutes. Nobody remembers how it started <laughs> when you get seven minutes in, right? You know, unless you're repeating that part, it, it's it's completely irrelevant by that point. So, no, it has to do that. Why does it have to do that? Are people going to die? Right. <laughs> what are the repercussions of it if it doesn't? You know. So I I've just always been one with if it sounds good, it sounds good. I think it you're missing a lot of opportunities. You know, look at guys like Zappa. I don't really think Zappa gave a shit about theory at all. He just played what worked for him. Right. You know? But there is also something to be said for, you know, the Diane Warrens, et cetera, of the world yeah. who know that there are certain rules. And if you follow those rules and you have a good little hook and a, you know, maybe a nice little vocal line that, and you follow some of those standard, you know, rules that you're going to have another hit song. Um, mm-hmm. And they write some great songs. I'm not dumping on our songs because some of them are, and incredible you know they're, mm-hmm. they're great great songs yeah. but there is an art to songwriting which i have only more recently kind of wrapped my head around like i didn't i didn't realize that people put so much thought into songs i know that sounds silly mm-hmm. but because i'm such a, a i don't want to say i'm naturally talented but everything i do just comes out of me naturally like i don't think yeah. about it i don't mm-hmm. i don't go like oh and then i'll go to this part because it you know juxtaposes against this and the like I just do it because I think it sounds good or it's what it came out of me naturally or what I think should happen. Right. But I realized that the people who are very successful, you know, even the McCartney's and stuff really think it through and say like, well, if I do that, I should, you know, I should try this other thing that, you know, you know, at, at this tempo, because it'll, like you said, you know, it highlights this or the, you know, the high end in this makes this sound better. I don't, right. I don't think of music at all that way. Like mm-hmm. I, and I respect people who do, and I realize why I am, you know, playing in a in a bar on a Friday night and there are other people selling out stadiums because they understand that there's far more of an art to it than I do. I right. do it for just sheer enjoyment. They're doing it also for the enjoyment, I'm sure, but also took the time to learn that craft and to learn, have an understanding of how that craft works. Right. Um, like any other, any other profession you pick, you have to have the tools to do it. And I always go back to that Ian Pace video. I'm sure you've seen where he just talks about rudiments and mm-hmm. how important it is to know your basic rudiments. Yeah. And he says, right. And then he goes, if you, he goes, it doesn't matter if you're going to play with your buddies down the street in the garage, or, you know, you're going to go play to a stadium. These are important tools that every drummer has to have. Yeah. Um, and I never got those important tools. And that's, you know, that's why I only progressed so far on guitar and progress so far on this and that. And, um, and I don't mean to make it all about me, but it is no. Um, but I, that's, that's the only way I can, I can kind of compare it because I, yeah. you know, I've played with other people who definitely have that knowledge. And I've also played with people who are just amazing musicians who don't have that knowledge of how to craft a song or how to, how to make something happen. Um, well, I, I think it depends on what you're going for. If you want to be a musician who writes, you know, typical relatable music, I think those elements are important, but I think it's also easy to miss out on being somebody who's unique and and coming up with new ideas and new ways of doing things that are interesting because we're so stuck. So it's really, you know, which is the lesser of two evils? Are you wanting to be in the mainstream and and write things that people are just going to get? Well, but I think you you can, you you can break the rules if you know the rules. Yeah. You just have to be of the mindset to do it, but to know, you know, certain, like certain harmonies and things is a perfect example. Like I know what I want it to sound like, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like what, what I hear in my head, like, Oh, this is what I want. 
and I may get there eventually, but if I knew knew the rules to harmony or I knew that I could go, what note are you playing there? Oh, it's B. Oh, then, okay, then you have to do a D there. All right, I got it. All right, right. you know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. It would just save time and effort on things like that. And and knowing some of the rules would allow me to to get some of the sounds I want or to listen to a Beatles song like, oh, that harmony. I love that harmony. And then you bark and sing. I want to work that into my song. Mm. You know, what? how is that? How is that put together? You know? Yeah. I think it's when people use words like diminished that I just shut off because I don't know what they're talking about. I just, like I said, I just go. Well, they're they're just saying diminished capacity. I can explain diminished capacity. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I just I experiment a lot in my writing, and I I try to find things that are interesting, but that also flow. As long as it flows, as long as it feels good, or if you're specifically trying to make an abrupt change then you can't right. go from the B to the D. You have to go from the B to the F or you know something that's going to be a little bit more dramatic and jarring. Um, I get those parts of the rules, but mostly I just sit here and play until I get sounds that I want. You know? Yeah. So that's just how I work. But let's get back to the song and see where they go with it. Is there a delay on that vocal? It sounds, I can't tell if that's her singing or if that's an effect that I'm hearing. I think it's her singing. I don't like it at all. (laughs) Not even a little bit. I think, again, it would be okay for me if it was one or two times and they did something different on, you know, like the the third and the fourth pass or the first and the second pass. But um, it's, it's a neat sound, but just kind of too much of it. I think they would have been better served to do it on that slide guitar thing that we were talking about earlier. Oh, Again, not yeah. even use her voice and play that line either on the slide guitar or a keyboard thing, a synthy thing. Like mm-hmm. it, it just the the it's not working with the vocals for me at all. Like it, I don't know. Yeah, I like the idea, but I, it's just for me, it's just too much of it. haunting ending yeah yeah that part kind of ruined it for me though that sort of pulled me right out of it and Mm -hmm. um yeah just that didn't work for me even a little bit overall i really like the song it's got great energy the music is is fantastic nice lively drums 
Um, it's an interesting EP because a couple of the songs were reggae, a couple weren't. One had a you know Spanish feel to it, so it's a little eclectic, which is fine. But I wouldn't necessarily know what the identity of the band was based on just this EP alone. Yeah, see, I feel like I would be going to see a No Doubty kind of, you know, that mm-hmm. feel. Yeah. And it's funny that you said Alanis Morissette, because in the last song at the end there, she it almost the effect affect she had on her voice almost sounded like she's trying to imitate Alanis Morissette a little bit. Mm-hmm. That kind of like, you know, how, you know, she is that tight mouth kind of like when she finishes a line. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I liked the Spanish one actually probably the most out of all of them. Yeah. Um, that I think that one really had some, some strong potential there. And, you know, I'm sure, like I said, Nate probably listens to this now and thinks like, Oh, I would have done this different. I would have tried this different, mm-hmm. but I, I gotta be honest. I hope one of the things he says isn't that he would change the baselines. I think he really killed it on the baselines. And like I said before, I'm sure maybe he will agree. Maybe he'll disagree, but I can definitely hear some of the McCartney in there, especially on the, that like the boot, you know, and (laughs) right. Yeah. um, But, you know, also the other influences too. Don't hear any of his deep purple rainbow, white snake, deep purple family in there whatsoever. Um, Drummer, clearly a great drummer, tight, like you said, those two very tight together. And I know they played almost their whole lives together, so that makes sense. Right. Um, that's very hard that yeah, unless it's organic. Mm-hmm. Um and on that last song at the end there, I kind of enjoyed hearing him go off a little bit and play some fills and um, but he does what I enjoy that uh that when drummers do it, because that's why I love Ian Pace is always coming back to the snare. For your fills and doing fills on the snare and not just yeah. making it about, you know, you know. Well, and you know, to to divert a little bit and just talk about Ian Pace for a second, I I find it fascinating that when it got to come taste the band, he got a big change in his kit, right? He got a lot more melodic possibilities with those smaller toms and, right. and all of that. Now he now he tours with a much more simplified kit. And he has two toms that he doesn't even use. They're just there to physically balance out the look of the kit. They're not even mic'd. But I found it interesting because as as melodic as he was on Come Taste the Band, he got rid of that pretty quick. He, he didn't seem like that was really something he enjoyed, whereas I love being a melodic drummer. Yeah, I, I mean, my favorite drummers are Ian Pace, as far as rock, straight ahead mm-hmm. rock goes, and um, Ringo. And I, I, you know, I mean, the Ringo debate will go on till the end of time, I'm sure. But there are a few really good videos out there. And I, and I would love to give the guy credit where he just says, you know, what makes Ringo great? And then he plays the song and he's like, this is what Ringo could have done. And he basically plays, you know, a straight four, very big, like what, right, what, most, yeah. what most drummers would have done. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but instead Ringo did this, you know, like on Ticket to Ride or whatever. And he's like, it's way more interesting, yeah. you know? Um, well, you know, the middle, and, the middle section is something, you know, you're asking me, will my love grow? They're mm-hmm. doing the straight, you know, he plays it straight, just kind of like ta, 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 on the hi-hat. And he's mm-hmm. like, but instead Ringo did all those toms, fills that. And that's what drives that song. Yeah. I, I think that Ringo does not get a lot of credit for what he did. And and I always say, if you really want to understand the difference of Ring, what Ringo brought to the Beatles versus what most drummers would have done, watch the video for Love Me Do. There's a black and white video of, of them playing live. I can't remember what the venue is, but you can see the swing in his hi-hat hand. Right. 
And you can really then start to, if you're not a drummer, you can kind of understand the difference and just tap along to it, you know, tap along on a straight beat and try to see what that would have sounded like, and then watch what he's doing. And you will understand what Ringo brought to the Beatles. Right. Yeah. He kind of, I think I heard somebody call it like the windshield wiper. He does like, yeah. Splashes across the hi-hat as opposed to coming straight down on it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's good turn to the Ringo show, but yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I just, I, I love the way he plays. He always plays what's appropriate for the song. Yeah. Um, which not everybody does, but, uh, you know, get to, to get back to Scott. I, I, you know, everything he played on these songs was, was the right thing. And, yeah. you know, it was appropriate for the song. There was never a moment where I was like, what the hell is he doing? Or like, well, that bill didn't belong there. Or, right. Um, and, and same to be said for the guitar player. I think his name was Chris. Chris um, Warren. Yeah. Yeah. He, real well you know real good too you know clearly they had a vibe and something that was going on and and you know as i read earlier they had something going and then they met up with her and i, I i'll be honest i would kind of like to hear what they were doing without her mm -hmm. um versus what they did with her i don't know who was singing or if somebody else sing or maybe they didn't have any singing but yeah um because they clearly had the more i'm thinking about it as i'm saying it they're a unit and then she's a singer you know what I'm saying? They're not yeah, a band. They're not right. a band. I mean, they're, it's these guys and then a singer came in um, yeah. and sang. I, I, can, I can definitely say that. I think that she just wasn't necessarily suited to this kind of music for my taste. And while I am a, a big fan of, of Gwen Stefani with No Doubt and some of the solo stuff I've heard her do, Although I didn't, I didn't even care to go see her. She was months. She was here at Planet Hollywood, and never once did I ever say I should go see that, <laughs> because I I figured it was going to be more a performance show than it was about playing good music. Because I know how those shows go. Shania Twain does it. You know, Britney Spears was doing it. Um, it's very much let's play for the visual aspect of it. And the music backs up the visual more than it is. Let's put on music and enhance it with a visual. Uh, so I, I wasn't really interested in going to see it, but I would say I, I like her voice. I like the, the talent that she has. I mean, she's definitely a talented singer, but I don't necessarily think that it works for me, the style that she has with these songs. Yeah. No, just, you know, what is it? Square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't, it's yeah. not the right, not the right fit. There were some really um, good parts. I mean, parts I was just like, wow, this is really cool. But the overall to say that she like if, if I were in the band, I probably would say, damn, she's good. But does she really fit what we're doing? All right. I'll say one mean thing because I can't help myself. But and it's not even that. I don't mean it to be mean. It's just called, really it, it is something in my head. I it, it feels to me like my junior high music teacher, you know, being like, oh, hey, I play in a band and like putting this on like. <laughs> Like how it would come across to me, like, yeah, yeah you're not cool. Like, <laughs> yeah, I get that. I think honestly, one of these too, things is not like the other. One I, of these and things. I don't know how old she was when she did this, but I think I think you're right. I think the youth um, definitely had an impact. I think if this had a producer um, who who would have had maybe a little bit more experience and could have um, could have come in and said, okay, let's try mixing things up a little bit and do this right. here and that here. I think they definitely would have benefited from that. But this is just like every band that I was in, you know, it was like, we oh, know yeah. what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. You yeah. can't, don't mess with our music, man. You know, no, I get it. I believe me. I, 
Yeah. I don't understand it. I, I'm definitely not knocking him for it because I, I think it's just the, you know, the the signs of youth. I think there's a lot of great on this album, though. I, I really do. The musical performances, the, the the guitar sounds in those more ethereal parts, um, some of the vocal choices that I did like. Um, I definitely feel this is a very youthful band. I would have liked to have seen them stay together for a little while and maybe get a little more experience under their belt and see what they would have come up with 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 a little more like we're looking at it in our 50s going okay we've got 50 years of right exactly we've been in bands you know all that so it's really kind of an unfair thing to to even judge it at all true until you but. put put it <laughs> until you put this spin on it george harrison was only 18 years old when they were on the ed sullivan show so wow. yes youth yes youth can play a part in it and i agree us looking back you know 20 years later um, with all of the experience and knowledge that we have is an unfair way to, to try to look at this music. However, um, there are plenty of, you know, uh, plenty of the artists that we love, Deep Purple, any, name them. They were, the, they were in their mid-20s, early 20s when they recorded most of their music. And I'm sure the same way. Like, nope, this is what we're doing. This is how it's going to be. And it's just a matter of timing in some cases and the right mix of talent and a little bit of luck. And I mean, there's really no one formula that works and especially now Mm -hmm. um all of that said man i'm glad they laid some stuff down yeah because i wish there's there was some great music i felt like i played back then and i'm sure if i had the ability to go back and revisit it now be probably exactly how nate feels like yeah that was good and i like what i did there but i would have done this different and i might add Mm -hmm. this and you know what they're right i shouldn't have done that or whatever um but I don't even have the ability to do that because we never took the time to go into a recording studio and actually right. do it. Yeah. And I wish some of the bands that I had been with would have done that too. We never made it into the studio, which really sucks because the best I have are boombox recordings that I've cleaned up with, with EQ. Um, but I, I have to say for myself, as I have gone back and revisited my older music, uh, every year I'm trying to do two albums. I'm doing one of new music and one where I'm revamping all the old songs that I wrote when I was too young to know better and really critically listening as a producer and as, and as a more experienced musician going, okay, this part doesn't need to repeat 16 times. In fact, it doesn't even need to be in the song at all and really making some of those harsh critical decisions. But as I'm going back and listening to them and kind of doing what I'm doing with this, where I'm saying, well, this could have been this way and this could have been that way. I'm like, I didn't know better. It was a right. fun lick to play, so I just kept playing it. I enjoyed hearing it. I enjoyed the feel of playing it, so I just kept doing it, and it stayed in the song. The song didn't need to be seven and a half minutes long of me just doing the same thing over and over again. So I made those same mistakes, and right. you know, I, I, I'm not judging them in, in saying that I'm any better by any means because I've been there, and I'm noticing more and more as I'm as I've gotten through a few of these remake albums where I'm like it is hard sometimes to to make those cuts and to be harsh enough to make those decisions and say, yes, this works. No, this doesn't. You should have known better. No, you shouldn't have because you were 18 years old when you wrote this or, or whatever. Right. It is what it is at the time. You do the best you can do with where you're at. Um, but certainly, I, I mean, the the highlight for me is Nate's bass playing. And, and I'm not saying that out of friendship or anything. I mean, clearly for me, that is the big highlight of this, of this EP. Oh, yeah. I agree. It, you know, I didn't know any of the the people involved and mm-hmm. you just said, what do you think of this? That would have been about the only like thing I would have probably dwelled on. Yeah. 
I think so too. I mean, the drums are solid. Don't get me wrong, but but yeah. the style of music doesn't lend to showcasing a drummer, right? You're you're you just need to be the foundation of the band with an occasional little you know flurry here and there. Uh, in thinking about Tejano music, the that's all I ever remember. I don't ever remember a, hearing a drummer do a drum fill. You know, it's right. it's you're lucky if you get a crash cymbal. It's pretty much just about keeping that beat. Got to be about the most boring thing in the world for a drummer to do, except that the beats are a lot of fun. Right. But yeah, overall, I I thought it was good. I mean, for 18, 19 years old, whatever they were at the time, I think they 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 were pretty ahead of the game for a lot of people I know at that age. It's got Warhorse beat. <laughs> that that was rich, Nate. Just so you know. <laughs> I said it had a beat. I didn't say Warhorse had it beat. I said they had Warhorse beat. Yeah. I think the comparison at all is almost defensive. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, good stuff, though. I, I'm really glad that you asked me to do this because I think it was a lot of fun to dig yeah, into. Fun. And, uh, you and know. I think I gave it a far more critical listen. Had I just gone on to Spotify, I would have done what I usually do is we'll listen to a little clip. I never would have made it through the song. I'm like, don't like it. Oop, don't like that. Yeah. Oop, you mm-hmm. know, not my thing. And just moved on with this. Um, I'm glad that I, I, I took the time to listen to it a little more critically. Yeah. I apologize if I hurt anybody's feelings because that was not my intent. Um, again, we said, I, you know, I, music is subjective. You can't, you know what I mean? You can't, I mean, either I got to be honest yeah. about, you know, right. my opinion or not. And, but I certainly wasn't looking to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, He's talking to you, Serena. Um, that's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> who I'm speaking to. I think I said mostly nice things other than that. And, and again, you know, we, and I, I think we've, we've, covered it but i mean it's, it has nothing to do with her level of singing ability yeah no um because she is clearly a good vocalist it's just yeah. not the vocalist for this project i would be curious to hear a couple other things that that she's done over the the course of maybe the last 20 years maybe see see what she right. did 10 years ago see what she's doing now and her age what, class what, what style of music <laughs> she's chosen to go into because this also right. may have been a thing where she's like you know um it was fun playing with these guys but this isn't really what i want to do Right. Or maybe she's like, no, I love this. And this is what well, I want my career to be. I mean, I don't know. In Nate's description, he said that sh- they did some of her stuff. And they did some of their stuff and they did some stuff together. So I'd be curious, is this stuff they did together? Or is this their stuff that they then had her sing on? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was not her stuff. Um, yeah. But, you know, so if this is the stuff they, they did together um, or whether, um, but I'd be curious to hear some of the stuff she did of hers as opposed yeah. to, you know, what she shoehorned herself into. Right. I could see her being a really good jazz singer. Um, I could see her maybe uh, even doing things like opera or like a Cirque du Soleil type singer, because those singers are really good. The The dynamic range that they have to have, the power they need to be able to exert is it's pretty intense. That is not an easy job. Uh, I could see her doing any of that stuff. I don't necessarily see her as a pop singer, but that's just based on how she sang these four songs at a right. young age. Yep. You know, so there's, we all grew from being 18 years old. Um, to me, it was hitting as hard as I could as a drummer and and cracking through the guitar and bass players. Um, but I learned, you know, that finesse wins, uh, uh, unless you're playing like speed metal or something like that, which you can't right. even hit that hard because you're playing too fast. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm really glad that we did this. I really enjoyed it. I would listen to this again. Yeah, I probably will not. Um, 
<laughs> but I am curious to hear some other things Nate's done. He a long time ago he sent me, <coughs> excuse me, a live version of a Beatles song mm. uh, that was really good of them doing it live. It was it was a really good version of it. I was I was duly impressed. Was that um, this one? No, I don't think so. I'm sure it probably had some of the same elements. Mm-hmm. Um, um, maybe it was, but um, he's you know I'm sure he's got other stuff that I would is probably more in my lane. Yeah. that I would enjoy, whether it was professionally recorded or not. I don't know. And of course, we still have to hear the unreleased Matola project with him. So yeah. I know they have, I know they have stuff. I, uh, I've only can. been asking for like five years for that. So, right. I, what that, are, I what think these days, although the chances of us hearing it now after this are pretty slim, the, the chances <laughs> of ever being invited back onto the deep purple podcast again are pretty slim. I think at this point, um, I know where I know where John lives, so I, I that's guess, true. I, I always I always have that. I can just pop in on on a Monday night when they're recording. Well, I I know where <laughs> they live. It's just a matter of getting there because I'm nowhere near. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Them. He's he's within striking distance. So. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Rich, for for well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I had a good time as always. We will be back on uh, Wednesday, back on our normal schedule, where uh, Rich will be back and we'll be covering a whole Woo-hoo. other album uh, by a different group of artists who may or may not have known what they were doing. Hell yeah. <laughs> we will see. But in the meantime, thank you guys for joining us for another episode. We will be back next week. Cheers. See ya. <laughs>